This episode is brought to you by Columbia Sportswear. It's snowing again, and that wind chill is killer. But you're not worried about that because you shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection. It's warmth perfected with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat inside and protect you from the cold outside. No snow or chilly temps can stop you now. Go out anyway. Shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection now at Columbia.com slash infinity. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's out. Oh, he's, he's, got it. It. he's got it. I don't believe it. That's unbelievable. He was throwing it up. He thought he had it. It was a little lollipop. And the man who did so well with the bat has taken his eye off the ball, and the ball has just dribbled out of his fingers. He was about to throw it up. I hate grade cricket. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a grade cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the grade cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Cricketer podcast on today's show. England comfortably beat India at Edgebaston to keep their World Cup hopes alive. The 31 run victory, many semi final status, will be guaranteed for England with a win over New Zealand. So we celebrate Kiwi culture. Crowded House, Richie McCall, Russell Crowe, Pavlova, the wool industry, Sir Edmund Hillary and Trent Bolt. We also talk about the importance of MS Donny's red ink in a run chase. George Bailey is on the phone from Tasmania to ask what the score is and Ali Martin from The Guardian calls from an Edgebaston pub to tell us that it's coming home again. Hashtag AskTGC gets into what England want part two. Australian housemates asserting alpha dominance over your wife, girlfriends with ulterior motives and the Goulburn Supermax 11. My name is Ian Higgins and I'm joined by Dave Edwards in Sydney and Sam Perry in in Sydney. And boys, uh, Johnny Bairstow overnight scores that elusive fuck you hundred. It was good to see too, like weren't we all um, and good morning he goes of course, uh, but weren't we all watching the TV on Nine Gem there uh, when he hit that single, waiting for him to take his shirt off mm-hmm. to reveal some mm-hmm. kind of message to Michael Vaughan um, <laughs> and Kevin Peterson. It wasn't to be it was just more of a thumbs up to the camera but yeah Overnight, we saw the England that we were hoping to hilariously never see this World Cup. <laughs> um, after four years of dominance, we then got to see what they actually do. Uh, you're right, he goes, it wasn't quite a road, but it was road enough at the start. And then the, the wicket sort of slowed up and then India finished five wickets down with 70 runs off their last 10 overs. What? I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's be honest, Pez, it was an absolute road, just the way they like it. Um, they started fucking hot too. I mean, Jason Roy back, smacking it around. I just saw an article that, um, I think the comments were by Rob Key that he saved England's World Cup with, um, you know, just by coming out there and pounding a few boundaries early doors. He also went on to compare him with Adam Gilchrist, which I'm sorry, that's that's just fucking sacrilegious. Mm. Mm. 
that's wrong. I mean that 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 hundred was so big. Like that saved the future of cricket in England. Yeah, now, that's where <laughs> that's where journos are going with this, isn't it? I mean, if England don't win this World Cup, the game crumbles in that country. Cricket in um, England was so precariously placed that it just required a few boundaries um, to to save it entirely on a road. Well, it's back on free-to-air TV now, so that's how big, that's how big and great 100 it was. Let's play another round of uh, He Goes Gets It Wrong again. And I said many times during this tournament that, I- that India have the best spinners. Uh, Chahal and Kuldeep uh, went for 160 off their 20 overs. So, um, geez, geez, they bowled well. Mm. And cheers for saying that too, because they'll therefore towel Australia up with their spinners uh, in a couple of <laughs> rounds times. Because whatever happened last is the thing that predicts the future. That's correct. Uh, in yep. cricket. And yeah, all of a sudden, you know, Twitter's alive with um, English quippery. I've now seen footage of a Chris Wokes flag at Glastonbury as well. <laughs> and I think that like, um, like Johnny Bairstow is, I really love Bairstow. He's a wonderful like alpha beta rare bloke conundrum Mm -hmm. you just can't pin him he he doesn't fit into any paradigm Mm. uh and that that's great for the modern man you shouldn't have to put labels on things and now the spin is that he just fired himself up Mm. uh in relation to michael vaughan and kevin peterson's comments Mm. uh Mm. so we've got to calm him down every club Uh, though every grade cricket club has an alpha rare unit like they're they're you know they're in first grade and they're a very good cricketer, but there's just something a bit weird about them, and they kind of socially they can flutter within the grades, and you know they might be seen out at an indie gig or something directly after a game, or they might you know turn up at the ground just before the match, you know visibly hungover or like having hung out with their non cricket mates. I think just every good team needs a a rare alpha. And Are you obviously describing that. yourself a little bit there, Dave? <laughs> Seen it at an indie gig. Yeah. Every team needs one. Yeah. Yeah. Turn up hungover before the game. Yeah. Do you see yourself? No, I mean, those are all things that happen, I'm but I'm not referring to myself. Mm. Mm. I, I, I will take a stance in any way that Johnny Bairstow is alpha. I think he. he I, I agree with you, Sam, and that he's his own man, and that's 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 good that he's got his own thing going on. He's. I. I, I I, I need to label things. I need things in, in clear labels, in a jar, you know, in my kitchen. I, I need that. I need clarity. Like Steve Waugh. Did Steve Waugh used to label, like, his like his underwear in his kit when he went on, on tour? <laughs> like, colour-coding. It's a form of OCD. Yeah, sorry. He's, I mean, if you have to choose what Bairstow is, if you have to label him in a professional sporting context, he surely sits closer to the spectrum of, on the spectrum of rare yes. than alpha. Yes. I mean, mm. the guy, the guy like touches heads with people to say hello. Yeah. But the hundred last night was alpha as anything. Yeah, well, he batted well. Yeah, I'm not saying he didn't bat well. Um, the celebration but... as well was pretty alpha, like an understated alpha. I wanted. Did he mean to drop his helmet? Uh, <laughs> That's important. Let's really get into the celebration. Mm, what I wanted yeah. was a- akin to when Nasser Hussain was captain of the ODI side, had number three mm. on his back, batted number three. The press were giving him all sorts of pelters about batting three, bats too slowly, couldn't bat there, not getting against a new ball. Then he scored 100 at Lords, and then he like turned to the media centre at Lords after he got 100, and then he just like pointed to the number on his back number. Like That's fucking mm. alpha. And Nasser Hussain is not necessarily alpha, but that's a fucking alpha power player out there. Best though, mm. I, I guess like that, but that's that's new age. I mean, that was that was when Nasser Hussain was the captain, you know, print media 
was booming. And um, mm. but but now, like, what mm. was he going to do? Like, like do some sort of like tweet signal to Kevin Peterson or Michael Vaughan? Like, get off your fucking phone. <laughs> An emoji. Yeah, an emoji. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, like the horrid face. TikTok the clip. <laughs> Okay, what else happened? Well, Jason Roy yeah. came back into the side, and that seemed important. He could have been out when he was on 20. Uh, India didn't review a court behind it. Ball flicked the glove. Did They didn't review it. He went out to make 66. Having him back in the team makes a big difference because, um, I, I mean, I personally miss a James Vince in my life, not just in the World Cup, in my life. Just someone who can just, just show all the promise in the world, but not quite deliver. Just just give me a glimpse. Just tease mm. me. You know, just, just edge me. Edge, it's edging. Just edge me. Edge me, James Vince. Um, but yeah, Jason Roy seems to make a big difference, isn't he, to the team? Yeah, and in comparison to Besto, he's—I uh, don't want to talk about his batting at all. No, but he, he's like—he's very classical, isn't he? With his top button completely done up, the collar adjusted just so. He's—he's uh, he's, even his bat um, fashion is like uh, like like in line with the colours of the England kit as well, and he's so free flowing with the way he hits the ball. Like everything is kind of in perfect alignment. Like he would have worked out in the 90s and in the early noughties as well. Uh, but, um, you know, obviously him coming back into the side completely, I mean, what, like it's a huge change from James Vince <laughs> being in the side there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, frankly, England are a really great shout to win the entire World Cup now, aren't they? Um, Edos, I want to get into just briefly the, the run chase of India. Strange one. Rohit Sharma mm. got his third 100 plus score of this tournament. Kohli, um, 66 as well. They had five mm. wickets left and they lost by 31 runs. MS Dhoni came out and ended up getting 42 off 30 ish balls. So he did go past the run of ball. But there was a stage there where he was just blocking the shit out of it. And um, mm. I want to know what that's about. Well, it's obviously legacy building, he goes. <laughs> I mean, you know, like Obama towards the end of his tenure. Sure. It was all about just building the legacy. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got no real analogy there. <laughs> just thought, that, thought up that on the spot. I mean, uh, just I didn't actually catch the Dhoni uh, innings. I, I watched the KO Mini <laughs> yeah. um, in terms of my research for this match. I, I did watch the first 30, 30 overs of the England uh, chase in real time before switching over to a Madeline McCann doco on Netflix. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Donny has has been doing this for a while, hasn't he? He's been um, accumulating runs, upping his average, getting a lot of red ink, boosting his legacy. Not necessarily doing what's right for the team, possibly, arguably. I don't know. I know that he's a a figure, you know, on par with a religious figure in India. So I'm scared of saying anything negative about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll stop right now. Well, Pez, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who else has been missing in this World Cup, and that's been Liam Plunkett. And he's come in, he hasn't, he, he's, he hasn't played in the three games that England have lost. He's come back in. They've won again. Um, is he the greatest player ever? Oh, that's pretty simple. I mean, yes. Uh, he's the key. He's the controlled variable yep. in the England side, and a very good-looking one at that. I don't know why I'm completely focusing on people's fashion and their looks today, but... Uh, I guess I am in Sydney, and that's something you do when you come to Sydney. But, um, yeah, he uh, it's, it's a shame, you know, because Moen Ali has to miss out, and he's just such a great cricketer, Moen. Uh, I'd love to see him in the side. I'd love to see him succeeding. But, um, yeah. yeah, Plunkett obviously offers something in the middle overs. He got uh, – oh, did he get Coley? Yeah. 
Plunkett. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So um. Yeah. Well, Coley got Coley. Uh, let's be honest. Mm. Well, that's and that's the thing with all batsmen, isn't it? Like no one ever gets you out. No, you get you yourself, get yourself out. out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Which is slightly more frightening on a kind of more metaphysical sense. <laughs> but anyway, digress. Um, Everyone yeah, needs a Plunkett though, goes, as well. I think like he is just you, you, you. I think you called him a controlled variable just then, which I like. Like there's nothing. Mm particularly outlandish about him. He, he's a very sturdy, stoic-looking figure, a strong rig. You, you wouldn't necessarily, you know, uh, be o- overly um, excited if you if you saw him step mm. out on a field. I mean... Mar- you wouldn't build your marketing plan around him. No, I'm sure the ECB haven't. But, um, mm. I mean, you look at some of the other bowlers <laughs> in the lineup. I mean, Mark Wood, he's, he's exciting. Like, he genuinely looks like he's about to fall over every time he bowls a ball. Then you got the smoothness of of Archer. Like you build marketing campaigns around those kind of guys. Yeah, I think he's a tier two. He's a good tier two player, Dave. You mm. know, like and it's great to have. You need tier twos in your side. Tier twos. In rugby league, NBA, uh, strong squad players who do the job. Uh, anyway, so yeah, well, Plunk, Plunkett is, is a controlled variable. He's um, taken a couple of wickets in this game. He wins every. T- you know, they win every time he's in the side. So. Mm. Uh, what more can you say? Good rig. I think, He's doing everything he can. I think Plunk, He's maxing out. Yeah, I think Plunkett is like what a cool denial aspires to be, and rightfully so. Um, I, I think that's that's what's going on. Are England the best-looking team that you've seen in decades? I mean, you just like go through their, their 1 to 11. It's a, it's a really good-looking squad. You know, Jason Roy. I mean, there's salads everywhere. There's, gr- I mean, you know, Joss Butler. The yeah. salads everywhere. It's salad just, bar. Yeah. There's salads just salads everywhere. It's really a really strikingly, you know, good-looking. Sc- anyway, um, let's let's. Now go- can we go? No, let's go through them. Okay, let's go through. Let's go through, them. Let's go through, let's go through one to eleven. Yeah. All right, Roy. Good, good salad. What do you say about Bearstow? Bearstow's got a good salad. Yeah. Good salad. good salad. He's got a he's rugged masculinity about him. He does. He's got yeah. a certain je ne sais quoi, like a, a, mm. a glint in his eye, which could also mean that he could be a serial killer in a different life. But instead, <laughs> yeah. he back- it could be both. It could be both. It could be both. Yeah. Could yeah. Be Joe Root is um, obviously yeah. Joe Root's quite boyish. You know, there's a boyish boy band mm. vibe around him. Yes, you know, take yes. that yep. '90s kind of thing. Stokes yep. is Owen Morgan. Owen Morgan is is he yeah. has the thinnest. He's of dad. Salads. Owen Morgan yeah. is dad. Yeah, Owen Morgan dad. Yeah. Ben Stokes is the bad boy of the team, obviously. Mm. Uh, sort of the sporty spice, if you will. Um, yes. Then Josh Butler six. He got the eyebrow ring man. in five. Exactly. <laughs> 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 exactly. Yeah, or blue. Yeah. Um, who about? Yeah, Josh. But Chris Wokes. Chris Wokes, Wokes is a good-looking bloke. Really good-looking good really good bloke. Beautiful boy next door. He, he's really the boy good. next door. Yeah. Mm. Joffrey Archer has preppy, really very, nice very eyes. Very preppy. Yeah, Ar- Archer nice has beautiful kind eyes. eyes. Yeah, very kind. Yeah, very kind. Yeah, very kind eyes. But um, lean as well, athletic rig. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, Slimming. Ward. Yeah, it's Adil all about flexibility bad. these days. Adil, Adil Rashid uh, probably propping it up at the bottom. He's probably propping it up at the bottom. I mean, there's to be fair. Yeah, yeah. He's probably <laughs> propping it up from the bottom. Anyway, yeah, it's just a really mm. good looking team, basically. Yeah, it's good looking side. Yeah. He's got a yeah. Some mm. people would go for his beard. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. He's got a. I'm actually. I'm looking at. He's got a really lovely smile, Adil Rashid. Yeah, <laughs> a really lovely really smile. Into like the, the 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 feelings behind the looks, like kind eyes, a lovely warm <laughs> smile. <laughs> he looks like he'd be a good kisser. Um, someone wrote that a while ago, uh, asking asking if um, Alex Carey was the first teeth based selection. <laughs> 
Uh, We're getting into real micro selections now. (laughs) Length of eyelashes. Imagine if someone downloaded this show thinking that we'd speak about the cricket. Um, Anyway, so let's uh, let's, let's get into what this means for the tournament, right? So Australia, if they beat South Africa on Saturday night, they will finish first. They will be winning the World Cup. They will finish first in the group stage and then they will play either... Uh, well, they'll play fourth, and that will either be England or New Zealand, um, depending on that result. I mean, Pakistan can still make it, but there's a net run rate thing, and it's probably unlikely. So even if even if England win and Pakistan win, therefore uh, New Zealand and Pakistan would end, end up on the same points, the net run rate would be better for New Zealand, unless there's like some ridiculous turnaround. So that, that would mean that if England win against New Zealand, Australia will play New Zealand in the semi-final, and the other semi-final would be... England, India, which is fucking... That's tasty. tasty Aren't there well. about 35,000 more permutations as well? Like, I've had is, a look at Isn't it, there yeah. a scenario where India can miss out, which is unlikely? Oh, uh, yes. But I, I think I saw that like a, there's a net run rate thing if New Zealand beat England. Yeah. Uh, and India, who have they got? Bangladesh? Yeah, that's right. Um, well, India have, anyway. India have two more games. They've got Sri Lanka yeah, and two more, Bangladesh. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So that won't happen. No. I, I've, I've given you the likely scenario. Of like it comes down to, yeah. um, if England win, they yeah. they're definitely in, and New Zealand are basically already in anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So would would, so, would, you, would you take that? Would you take a New Ze- going into this tournament? Would you would you have taken a oh, New Zealand semi final? Mate, if Australia can avoid India or England, <laughs> yeah, in, this is the Australian red tinders rose tinder spectacles on. But if mm. I can avoid India or, or England in the semi final, I am doing absolute cartwheels. If I could do it without the herniated disc that I currently have, <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, this this could not have gone any smoother or better for Australia mm. in this tournament. Like. It's it's unbelievable how swimmingly mm. things are going for us right now. Mm. So obviously everything's going to go up in absolute flames very soon. Absolute okay, flames. So oh no, is the World Cup just becoming what we thought it would from overnight? Because the, the game we saw mm. overnight was what we thought the World Cup would be. Mm. Straw-coloured pitches, Bairstow and Roy bashing it everywhere. Uh, England always knocking on the door of some massive score and then just holding on or something. Mm. You know, have, have finally has the English aristocracy with B- Boris Johnson coming into power mm. shortly, starting to exude their power over the ICC and deliver the flat wickets that they need. By the way, the contortions that many in the journalistic class are starting to make that England don't necessarily need flat wickets are frankly embarrassing. Just own it. Yeah. They mm. need flat wickets. They prefer flat wickets. Australia loved a flat wicket when they were good. Mm. And they were dominant. They loved one. Flat track Just bullies. own it. Yeah. Just bullies. own it. When it, it, it yeah. Anyway. Bullions. Gold saying. bullion. Um, gold bullion. Okay. <laughs> Word association now. Green gold bullions. <laughs> so, um, okay, the other permutation is the lads. Now, what happens if Rabada and Faf Duplessis rig absolutely rock yeah. Australia like they did back in March in 2018 when it all fell apart. If yep. if South Africa win against Australia, Australia will finish second in the group most likely because India will probably beat um, Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. So they'll finish with more points. Therefore, Australia can only, Australia can only finish first or second. Now, if they lose against South Africa, they will finish second most likely. That will mean that they will probably play England in the semi-final. Because I'm assuming right. that England are going to beat New Zealand. In the in the right. in the game at Chestnut Street on Wednesday night, 
So, all of a sudden, the, the that game against Africa is just as big a game, really. I think. I mean, mm. yeah, Australia would mm. feel much more confident. I think it's fair to say because we love our we, we love our Kiwi brethren. Um, but Australia would feel more confident of winning a game against New Zealand than they would against England or India. Fair to say. Yes. Mm. Well, I, mate, I'm um, mm. I'm like rattled by South Africa still. Yeah. From yep. what happened in 2018, mm, that's yep. good. They, they frightened me. They've had a disgracefully bad tournament. Yep. And yet they still frighten me. Yeah. Also, like, if you were South Africa, it's such a tasty proposition now oh. to be able to spoil someone's oh, World mate. Cup and life in Australia. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we have everything to gain here. We're, we're assured of playing in semifinals. Yeah. Um, it's all there for us to win. We can take home the trophy, but they have the opportunity to absolutely fucking ruin our party. They will be up for this. Rigs will be out. Chests will be protruding. And I just am licking my lips right now in front of my Yeti microphone, licking my lips in anticipation of, um, of what's to come. Okay, so I'll give you the rundown of the, of the week ahead, lads. Um, obviously, this podcast is all a prelude to the massive game tonight, which is Sri Lanka and West Indies. So mm. um, we'll, we'll be live streaming our thoughts on that. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Twitch. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah. Be Twitch TV. <laughs> is that still a thing? I'm on yeah. Vine still. Um, okay. Tomorrow, Bangladesh, India, probably not relevant. Okay. Wednesday is the big game, though. England against New Zealand. And that's at Chesterless Street. Uh, so that's, that's, that's significant. And then depending what happens in that game, makes Friday's game of Pakistan-Bangladesh huge. So if Pakistan win that game on Friday after New Zealand have beaten England, then they can make... Mm. Into, they, they'll be into the semis and Australia will play Pakistan most right. likely. But he finals. goes, I really appreciate this context because I have no idea what I'm watching. Like, I just turn on the television and I'll mm. just, just digest whatever it is. So if you can just continually mm. give me context for everything that I'm watching, mm. that would be fantastic. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on watching Sri Lanka West Indies tonight? How, how high is your interest for that? <laughs> uh, well, it's Monday, so obviously Q&A is on. Um, <laughs> late line. Yeah. Yeah. Ke- Kevin Durant's about to sign with Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn. they got Kyrie as well. Kyrie. Yeah, Kyrie, yeah. Huge. Yeah. Mm. John Jordan. Mm. Mm. Uh, I mean, it, it sort of a fate accompli that England are going to actually score 500 against New Zealand. Is it not? Yeah, so it's a fate accompli. We're, we're sort of giving we're sort of giving New Zealand no chance here. Um, Correct. Is is that? <laughs> but what, I mean, it's 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 north. It's Chesterley Street. You know, if there's a bit of rain, I don't know no idea what the weather's been like there. But I mean, if there's a bit of rain around, Trent Bolt, you know, just got a hat trick no, and a losing Boris, side. Boris Johnson's Boris Johnson's in. They've arm wrestled the ICC. Straw coloured wickets. England hit 500 and gone to win the World Cup. Okay. Any other business? Not from me. Mm-mm. All right. Well, uh, I spoke to Ali Martin on the phone just before, and then after that, uh, the three of us spoke to George Bailey, who was uh, sipping whiskey or something uh, in his home in Tasmania. Then hashtag AskTGC, so stick around. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 
All right, we'll, uh, we'll take our chances here and stop guessing and making everything the most binary thing in the world and actually get someone who knows what he's talking about. Someone who was at the ground today is Ali Martin, cricket writer for The Guardian. And uh, Ali, I don't want to make it too binary, but it, um, I mean, is it return of Roy, return of Plunkett, England win? Yep, and uh, it now means it's coming home again. You know, we can, uh, <laughs> after a week of sort of national self-flagellation, um, the mood has switched, which it tends to do when you get back to winning. And England are back on, on top of the world rankings as well, having been briefly knocked off. Um, so, yeah, everyone's everyone's feeling pretty good about themselves in the England camp. And, um, yeah, just got to knock off the Kiwis at Chesterfield Street and uh, semi-finals, here we come. I, I'm I'm 100% back on England winning the World Cup, um, so long as um, so long as I don't let them down by losing to New Zealand. In which case, I'll I'll flip again, and Australia or India is going to win. Um, Johnny Bairstow uh, scored a a hundred. That must have been quite a significant moment for him. Then he, he fronted the press pack afterwards. I mean, how was that for him, and how was that for you guys as well? Yeah, it was all right. I mean, he's um, Johnny's a he's a funny one, really. He's I mean, he's a he's a very emotional guy, and. Um, I think I think he probably felt a bit burnt by how his comments got um, got treated during the week. I guess, sure. Um, you know, I think he ultimately he said that you know people have been waiting to, for us to lose so they can pile into us, which I I don't think is a fair reading of the situation or how the uh, how the media landscape works there too much. I think you know just generally people want England to do well. I think I think newspapers we sell more newspapers when England win than when they lose, but. Um, mm. Um, but yeah, so he, I think he was probably feeling a bit burnt. But the thing about Johnny Bairstow is he, he's got such a track record of this. Is he manages to really sort of fire himself up and get himself really worked up into a state and, and come out and produce, you know, the big kind of big kind of, you know, two fingers up at, at the critics. Even if sometimes the critics uh, are slightly sort of uh, in, invented or amplified in his own head. But um, you know, it was a fine fine hundred today, um, and I think. I think there was a couple of factors. I think Jason Roy coming back into the side was, is big for him because it just eases the pressure. I don't think James Vince is anywhere near the, the pedigree of Roy. Uh, it was a decent batting track. Um, mm. Obviously, Owen Morgan won the toss. And, um, yeah, and India's spinners, England, as they did last summer when they beat them in a, in a bilateral series here, um, England have got a good reading on these uh, on these two Indian spinners and, um, you know, really made them pay. I think they went for 160 runs in 20 overs, the pair of them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a victory there. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, we've been talking for a last last week or so about how if England can get a flat wicket, that they're going to be favourites. And it seemed that the wicket, well, it was funny because the wicket seemed to be quite flat, but then a couple early on stayed really low. Um, to I think the, I think there was one stayed quite low to to Roy, and then one to Bairstow a little bit later on. I mean, I don't think it was an absolute belter. I mean, I mean, if it was, you know. As you, as you say, India's two spinners went for 160 or 150 or so, and they only made only made 330. So it might not have been the complete flattest track, but um, the the decision of Owen Morgan to bat first was an interesting one. I mean, they've spent the last year or so priding themselves on the chase. Um, that was an interesting tactic, I thought, by Owen Morgan to change that around and choose to bat first. Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, I mean, England have come into the tournament having won, I think it was 17 ODIs at home in succession when chasing. Mm. Um, so they definitely saw it as their strong suit. I think probably one thing that Morgan probably didn't factor coming into it was probably tournament pressure on what that does um, to a chase. It just it, you know can just heighten heighten the sort of anxiety in the side a little bit more, especially when wickets fall. Um, so I think I mean I, th- I, I always think England's strength is batting first. It's batting, you know, it's batting the team, the, the opposition out of the out of the side. If, if anyone's going to extract maximum runs out of the pitch, it's probably this England team. So I think if you get the score on the board. Um, 
more often than not, they you know they have got a pretty decent bowling attack, which can which can apply the squeeze. India's chase being slightly weird at the end, notwithstanding. But mm. um, but yeah, but uh, the other thing is, I think um, I think the pitches here have been been slightly random in that we've had such wet weather here, especially here. I mean, I'm a Birmingham local, so you know, I, and all I've had while I've been around the country um, following the cricket is my wife telling me how miserable it is back home because it's just been tipping it down the whole time. <laughs> so. Uh, the pitch has been under covers for ages, uh, which probably led into that that real rank turner that we had between New Zealand and Pakistan. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I covered that game and I was quite surprised about how much it spun. But then I, I looked at the forecast the next couple of days, uh, and as I say, no near air quite well. And it was just it was just three days of blazing sunshine. And when when a groundsman's got that. Mm. They can pretty much make the pitch how they want it to be. Um, it just gives mm. them that much more leeway to do it. I know the ICC are sort of slightly looking over their shoulders and checking they're not going too extreme one way or the other. But, um, mm. you know, definitely, it, it, this, it's amazing that England's fortunes probably have changed because of a, a weather pattern. It is interesting. I mean, in, in that, um, in those, uh, after Johnny Besser got his 100, there seemed to be a, a stage there of about 10 to 12 overs where England sort of really seemed to lose their way between overs sort of 25 and 35 years. I think they lost two for 25 there. But then Ben Stokes comes in, hits 79. He's actually quietly had a very, very good World Cup. I think he might have four or five scores of 75-plus now. No hundreds, so no, no sort of standout, amazing, wow, big numbers. But he's, he's past 50 and past 75 a number of times now. I mean, he's, a, he's an incredible guy to have coming in at number five. I know. So, someone, someone told me some stat in the sort of general melee of the press conference about he, uh, scores of 74 successes, four scores of over 75 in a World Cup, and there's only a handful of players that have done it. Right. Seems so qualified and obscured. I just ignore them. I don't think <laughs> in my coffee. But, um, but look, yeah, he's, he's having a good World Cup, isn't he? Uh, I, uh, it's interesting actually after the defeat to Australia because, um, you know, obviously the, the mood was really doom and gloom, and then he came out into the the, the mix zone, as it's called, but the kind of you know player mm-hmm. access zone where you kind of have a chat. I mean, he was utterly. He, he was. He said, um, "What did he say?" He said, "He said he said that he wasn't worried. This is our World Cup. This is you know, this is our World Cup." There is a. I don't think it's shared by the whole of the team, um, but I think with Stokes there is a sense of destiny here. I mean, he's obviously his sort of last couple of years have been well documented in what he's been through. And, mm. um, you know, I think he is just by sheer sort of force of personality in the way that the proper big gun players do, he's trying to drag his team along with him. And you're right today, it was a, it was a fantastic night because the batsmen were losing their way in a bit. And I think Joe Root's quite a decent barometer in these situations because he's such a fluent player. If you see him you know struggling to, to sort of hit it cleanly then you know that it's it, the pitch is starting to stick a little bit so um yeah it was a terrific innings by Ben Stokes some of the sort of he, he does that sort of he's a left-hander obviously but he does that those kind of sort of wit mm. Donny style sort of helicopter mm. shots um and a couple of meaty sixes as well there's quite a short boundary and I think there was one reverse swept six yeah. as well which sort of brought back memories of Peterson doing it to Murley um yeah. 13 years ago on the same ground so yeah, terrific knock by him. And as I say, Stokes has got this real sort of sense of destiny about the way he's playing his cricket. Whether it's enough to drag England over the line, I don't know. But he's not, you know, he's not, he will leave nothing out there. Now, Liam Plunkett, I, I can't quite figure mm. him out because to me, he just looks quite innocuous. But he seems the most important bowler in the middle overs and in, in for any team in the World Cup. I mean, he's taken three for 55. England have won again with him in the side. They've only lost when he hasn't played. I don't know why he's so important, but geez, he's good in those middle overs. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I think Morgan said a couple of weeks ago. He said if he if he was a spin bowler, 
you'd be raving about him more. Yeah. Because and I kind of see where he's coming from because he like, he only bowls overs, you know, eleven through to forty pretty much. He might he might stay on a little bit longer into the forty forty first forty second over if he's if he's going well. But it's not complicated what he does. He basically smashes back of a length, cross seam, the odd slower ball. Um, he asks batsmen to play cross batter shots, and and in England, I think I mentioned last time I was on the show, but the, in England, you know, if there, even if there isn't much sideways movement with these kookaburra balls, you can get a variable bounce. So if you're getting guys to play cross batter shots, you know, it, it, the fielders are in the game. It's amazing how many players he gets caught in front of square. Um, it's not subtle. It's pretty obvious what he's doing, but batsmen still fall into the trap. It's, mm. um, and, and he's got a terrific beard as well, which you know, <laughs> let's face it, is going to make any team feel good about themselves. <laughs> Says a man with a very good beard himself. Um, mm. in, India, India had a India had a very weird chase. They started slowly. Their opening batsman scored a hundred. You know, Kohli's probably failed for him scoring only sixty six for a guy who averages a hundred when chasing. Um, but they didn't hit a single six until I think it was the forty ninth over. Donny Donny got one over the ropes. That's that's weird for India. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, can India play on these big these big you know English grounds? Yeah, well, it's weird, actually. We, we had one... In fact, Coley came out after the game. Edge Basin today, there was one pretty short boundary to one of the sides. Yeah. It was one of the sort of side wickets that had been used. And Coley came out and said, um, you know, it, it was weird. that He didn't like the fact that there was a short boundary on one side. I think he's probably referring to his own spinners, but it does sort of beg the question, well, if the boundary's that short, mate, why aren't your batsmen trying to clear it? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so it was, it, was, it was very strange not to see him not play. I mean, we know that guys like himself and Sharma are more sort of classical players and they you know they, they, they lay so many falls through the infield that you know they don't necessarily have to take the aerial route all the yeah, time yeah. but but yeah it, it was just it was a it was just a bit bizarre at the end you know watching Donny sort of cutting up I mean I think he probably finished with a strike rate above 100 in the end but I don't know it was just it, I wondered how much they were playing for net run rate whether they sort of whether they sort of gave up I don't know maybe maybe I mean Pandy is their big sort of you know their big hitter in terms of hitting sixes but for England to hit 13 on that pitch and and India to only hit one was uh, yeah it, it was a bit strange. Yeah. So so what now, Ali? I mean, what what does what does this mean? Obviously, there's now going to be two teams who have lost one game, Australia and India. Um, England are right back in the mix. They win their final game against New Zealand, and then they're in. So and then it's you know there's there's three or four excellent teams in the semi-finals. I mean. When you think of it like that, this World Cup has actually been fantastic. And if you could pick a winner right now of this World Cup, it could be any of probably three teams, which is just incredible going into the, far, the sort of last you know week and a half of, of cricket. But, I mean, where do we go to from here, especially for England? Um, well, yeah, I mean, we, we go to Chester Street. We try and uh, get the job done in terms of qualification for the semis. Um, I don't know which way it's going to go, to be honest, because England, you know, I mean, Morgan, for example, just come out of the press conference this evening and Morgan sort of said, you know, he doesn't, he'd rather, he'd rather they were going this way in terms of sort of peaking now before the knockouts, if that's indeed what is happening. Mm. I know it's just a one-off game, but he'd rather go in rather than sort of tripping over the line and, and getting there. So I can sort of see where he's coming from on that front. Mm. Um, but the problem is, with England, I mean, I don't, I don't think England are, I don't think they're as one-dimensional as they get painted. Because I don't think you, I don't think you get to number one in the world and play like they have over the last four years. You don't get those results if you're only a one-dimensional team. I've seen them, you know, perform in, in various conditions around the world. Um, but nevertheless, you do feel like, you know, if the sun's out, uh, well, was it sun's out, guns out? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I think that, you know, basically, if the sun's out and we get good pitches, it, it, it's England are backers' favourites. I think. Um, 
But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I couldn't really get a read on India today because, I, you know, I think their seamers are still... I think Shami's a really, really good team. He took a bit of tap today, but he did get a fiver. Mm. Uh, I think Jasper Boomerang is just, he's just such a good death bowler. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you back him in a, in a proper pressure, pressure situation to, to deliver. Um, I don't know if it's a... It, but it could be an India-England semi-final, couldn't it? So yeah. I don't know. I, I've honestly got no way. I, I basically, I'm doing my best to try and say that Australia haven't got a chance. But, you know, <laughs> it really feels do. like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so Pakistan are going to go home with the trophy. That's, that's all I wanted to know. Um, yeah. Ali, <laughs> it's uh, fantastic to have your insights for a man who's, uh, who was at the ground today. So we thank you very much for that. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon. No worries. Cheers. Okay. It's Queensgrove Sports' massive birthday sale. All brands reduced to clear. Kookaburra, Grey Nichols, New Balance, GM and more. Everything's priced to make you think it's actually worth it. Needn't you stick to kid yourself that you'll actually average above 11 this season? Don't waste your money on actual therapy. Try retail therapy instead. We've got last year's stock with this year's stickers. And double the price. We've got the brands of yesteryear too. Remember MRF? Brian Lara used one. So that must mean you're good enough to use it too. Flintoff and KP used a woodworm. I'm pretty sure they went into receivership, so we're basically giving them away. Remember when Albion sponsored Chris Martin, the worst batsman of all time? I have no idea how these bizarre alien pads didn't sell out. We've got them! What about those weird Indian brands that look like railway sleepers, weigh the same and have absolutely no middle? We've got you covered. We even sell bats with no stickers on them, so it looks like you're trying to get sponsored, even though you're in fifth grade. So rush into Queen Grove Sports today and make this season your last. Boys, our guest needs a little introduction other than to say still the best bloke in cricket and that the last time we spoke to him he was sat with a glass of red mm. and told us that he donkey kicked the World Cup after winning the tournament. George Bailey's joining us again. G'day, George. Good evening. How are you? Well, thank you. Um, George, despite gutting the domestic one-day game, disincentivising anyone over 25 from ever playing cricket again, recovering from a cheating scandal and struggling in short-form cricket for three years, Australia looks set to win the World Cup. Why is this? And is it true that uh, Ricky Ponting is still chained to the balcony at Lords? Yeah. <laughs> World Cups. It's, uh, we've got a bit of a knack, I think, of timing our run pretty well. Um, and there's no, no secret, certainly from head office, that when it comes to uh, the one-day game, that uh, this is the this is the trophy to aim for, um, and I reckon that you see a pretty clear history over the years of um, senior players departing sort of post a World Cup. Um, a lot of changes in the in the one or two or three years leading up to a World Cup, and then you start to see a, a pretty a pretty settled team and a pretty settled structure, and that seems to be working once again at the moment. George, just uh, conversely, I mean, we're, we're seeing uh, there's been a lot of scrutiny on England. I mean, as we were recording this, they are none for 600 after four overs, so we should caveat that. But um, there has been a lot of scrutiny on England so far. I mean, can you talk about the pressures that maybe you guys experienced four years ago? I mean, four years ago, we were hosting um, the World Cup. We being you and I were hosting the World Cup. Um, we, we were the favourites going into that tournament, and these sort of pressures didn't seem to get to the Australian team then. So uh, can, you, can you put into words what you think might be happening with England at the moment? Um, I actually think they've only really had one one poor game, and that was the the loss to Sri Lanka. Mm. Um, and and that can happen. That's the I mean that's it's it's tournament style play that um, they've left themselves with a little bit of work. Um, yeah, the, the way they were playing and 
their, their batting has been phenomenal. And, I, you know, outside of this World Cup where the scores haven't quite um, been as high for a number of reasons as, as what sort of one-day cricket, or particularly in England, scores had been the lead-up to this. I think um, I think they've changed the, the way that teams are going to, to bat in one-day cricket in the future. So, I, you know, I'll give them credit to that. I think one-day cricket, watching England play one-day cricket has been really interesting. But the flip side of that is, and the, the reason they've had to chase or score 360 or 380 a lot is because for you know, a lot of times their bowlers mm. leak a lot of runs as well. Mm. Um, and I think what we're seeing in, in this World Cup is well, certainly the teams that are doing well in, in uh, New Zealand, Australia and India, is it's actually their defensive bowling that's, that's you know, been awesome yeah. um, and makes them... When they when they get that right, that that's actually the the key to them um, being successful day in day out. Do you, George, do you? Um, I mean, you just said off air that you're you're not set with a red wine glass tonight. You're actually set with the um, ice and whiskey and the fire crackling in the background, which is just a wonderful yeah, different different time of year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, of, <laughs> of course, and, yeah. Of, of course, it's a hell of an image. Got to roll yeah. with it. We called your breakfast yeah. time last year. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, how is it for a, a player who's you know won a World Cup before and played a host of cricket for Australia at the international level? You've captained the One Day side a lot as well to great success. How do you take in these games? Is it, I mean, do you sit down and watch it like a complete nuffy, uh, or do you just sort of you know do you keep it cool and watch it just without telling anybody? Um, it would want to be on at seven thirty. It would want to be an early starter. And um, I was always, I was pumped last night. I'd uh, I borrowed a mate's login so I could. It's on, it's on free to wear too, isn't it? Yeah, just the yeah. Left out the so I didn't realise that until last night when I was at pub trying to get a mate's login, thinking I had to watch it. But I've been overseas to give me a little bit. Of, um, but um, so I haven't seen probably as much. I catch up. I, I'm, I, I do keep an eye. I look at I look at every all the games, all the scores the the following day. I haven't seen um, I haven't seen a great deal live, but I you know click on a click on the highlights and get a bit of a feel for it. But yeah, not a not a haven't been a great is it great um, watcher. Is um, it different for the Ashes? Like, is anyone like are any ex players throwing their house open for an Ashes party, or, or is everyone kind of <laughs> focusing yeah, on footy I season? A, I think a few of the boys. Got, get quite into it and I think that there was a time when I did it's more um, yeah it's, oh, this might just sound old but it's just more now you know young kids and you know trying to sit up for a, a day nighter in England and knowing that you're about to get up and chase kids around I, <laughs> I don't mm. don't have it in me um, but it used to be like Ashes and June, June July sport in England Ashes into Tour de France into uh, Wimbledon some mm. of the, you know, some of the great nights of late night sport yeah. watching. You almost want your children to wake up in the middle of the night, don't you? Yeah. yeah. George, just to change tack, in a, in a recent interview, Justin Langer explained um, in response to some questions around his leadership that he went to the University of Cricket um, <laughs> and cricket is all that he knows. Now, you did a commerce degree. Um, I'm presuming that was also at the University of Cricket. Just wondering what the campus was like there. <laughs> campus is good. There's no doubt about that. Um, Is it just beautifully maintained turf nets and like sandstone buildings, like to shower yeah. in, or is it like one of those modern tech campuses in the city? Yeah, not as many barrels. Um, 
that I can certainly <laughs> remember. And I, you know, well, actually, it's a lot. It's, it's very similar because I was told in my very brief stint at uni that uh, the university is shut when it rains. Um, which I believe, I, I assume that's correct. I believe to this yeah. very day, I never tested it out. Uh, and, and cricket's the same, isn't it? Once it rains, we get off the field. So yeah. you get back on at two thirty. Sort of have another look now. at two thirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joey, I mean, what, what do you think of this night? This this new sort of nice Australian team. I mean, famously, you know, the word on the street is about, about George Bailey, one of the nicest guys to ever play for Australia. Now, at that time, that didn't gel too well with the, um, with the image that Australia were going for. But this, but this, uh, this, uh, this version of this, this um, update of the Australian team seems to be, I mean, there's been no, there's no flare-ups on or off the field since, since what happened in South Africa last year or over a year ago now. I mean, do you put this down to sort of a leadership change or is it instruction, public demand, uh, you know, or, or sort of an awareness that these guys are going to be scrutinised with, with every single thing they do? Can you, can you sort of put a, a finger on why they're all of a sudden being very nice or George Bailey-esque? Um, well, I'm certainly you know, not privy to the, the inner sanctum of whether that's... I mean, there's, there's sure. no doubt they'd be aware that there's a... That, um, you know, the, the public spoke, didn't they? I? I mean, I think the, the outcry around the whole sandpaper thing and um, and even, I think, the, um, the public let it be known that they weren't that happy with the way the team was probably... Behaving, win or mm. loss, win or lose. Prior to that, and yeah. I think that got that got back to the team. And um, JL was pretty vocal when he started, and you know he spoke publicly about it. And I know he spoke to, privately to the team about it, about you know wanting to make wanting to make great Australians, mm. um, or wanting to produce great Australians in that in that cricket team, and knowing that you know you work hard, you'll you'll train, you'll play as well as you can, and if not. You know, there'll, there'll be someone else to take your spot. But if you keep that focus of just trying to be the best people and respectful of where you are, then um, then that side sort of looks after itself. And I know, um, yeah, I mean, he was he was he was tested pretty early, you know, in his in his coaching on that, and he's had some past players come out and challenge him. And you know, a lot of people, it was, you know, everyone always has an opinion on cricket, but he's stuck to that and. That seems to be the the message coming out um, mm. from all the boys when I message them or whatnot, and just say, you know, they just they just all to a man say that they're having a, a great deal of fun. Mm. Um, you know, winning helps. That makes things. Yeah. Mm. To, but yeah, they just seem to um, have got a nice a nice little bit of mojo happening. Um, but there's, yeah, there's no doubt that there is. Um, they're aware that. The, the way that the Australian team were probably, or, or players in that Australian team were condoning themselves wasn't accepted by the Australian public, let alone let alone the world. Yeah. George, um, just wanted to touch on fellow Tasmanian Tim Payne. Obviously was the face, the brand and the saviour of Australian cricket in that post-sandpaper um, period of time. I haven't seen much no, on him no recently. No a beautiful face. Mm, we actually face. talked about his moisturiser regime when he was on the show last. Yeah, three time. steps. Three steps. Yep. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so, what's your moist? No, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go with my actual question. Um, I, it's it's an interesting time for him, I guess. Obviously, all the focus is on the World Cup, and Finch has been leading us well, and Alex Carey looking, you know, pretty classy with bat and gloves, mm. and we're winning games of cricket too. Do you think that he's? I mean, is he still a lock for the Ashes or? 
should he be, you know, turning his focus to pre-selection ahead of the next federal election? Oh, I love it. I love, I love how quickly everyone, yeah. yeah we're winning games of cricket now, so we can be well, aggressive yeah, four, in selections, yeah. Five, six, four or five months ago, we were the worst Monday team ever. We were never going to win another game. It was a waste of time coming across to the World yeah. Cup. Uh, yeah. And now, and now, do you want the one-day team to just play the Ashes because they're playing pretty well? I'm, I'm like, just well, echoing the words on the street. I'm just yeah, no, I mean, well, it's it's twofold. I um, no, I think I think Payne will, I think Payne will take his take his spot. I, um, I reckon he'll be pretty excited about the fact that the next time he um, walks out to toss a coin um, for that Australian team, he'll most probably have. Um, a D Warner and S Smith on his team sheet, which uh, Finchie's obviously had the luxury of um, mm. in this, you know, the, this last little bit, which will that'll give him a bit of help as well. Um, and, I mean, that's going to be a, yeah, a great contest too. Um, and you know, once again, I think Australia just have got that they've got that mojo right and, and a real luxury in some respects. They're going, to, they're going to have possibly a couple of quicks who haven't even played. Uh, the World Cup, who'll be coming in fresh and really hungry, and you know, in the vice captain Josh Hazelwood. In that, I mean, he he, he could be anything in this Ashes because he'd be filthy that he missed out on the World Cup, mm. um, and he'll just be he'll be ready to go. Whereas, um, so you know, I, I think Pony will have some some aces up his sleeve on that front. Um, and as far as his own position, I mean, he's probably always going to be. Under the pump a little bit. He, he was probably under the pump when he was he was first selected. Um, I, I think yeah. The, I mean obviously the position that he was put under to take over the captaincy. I think he's done a. I think everyone thinks he's done a really great job. Um, and it's, it's been the whole I reckon build up to him being in England was that was the reason that was there. The thinking was what, what who do we put in charge of this and how do we structure this team so that we can win. The Ashes. That's I mean, the World Cup really of mm. on our cricket calendar, um, particularly you know trying to win it in England, which we've we've struggled for quite a while to do. So no, I don't think he's under the pump at all. Um, I think it's really exciting that um, in a lot of positions in that Australian team, there's there's pressure, there's there's depth. Um, Alex Carey has been phenomenal in this World Cup. I, you know, I, that's one of the great things that Justin Lang has done. I reckon is that. Um, you know, players get to the Australian team by playing really well, but it's another, it's a real feather in your hat, I reckon, when players get get better. I mean, his numbers as an international one-day cricketer are, are, yeah. are better than his list A number. That's fantastic to see that someone can grow into that position and um, have such a great influence. So that's fantastic. Um, you know, Matty Wade's over there doing the same thing he's been doing for for the last couple of years in plundering runs. So, um, you know, there's plenty of depth there. Um, should something happen happen to Paney, but no, I think you know it's working really well. The the swap in leadership and um, and it'll give the the change um, will give the team a real fresh fresh outlook for the Ashes. And yeah, and Tim, you know, if you are listening, um, if you are listening, Tim, please please reply to my text. Like it would be great to have you back on the show again. Um, <laughs> it's the word on the street is not it's not the TJC view. Um, <laughs> George, uh, like I, I, as we go to air, is going to confuse listeners as well because we record our segments at different points. But Johnny Bairstow's on sixty-two, not out now. Um, England, one hundred twenty-four for none. But uh, but as we, yeah, like you know, he's made some comments. Giving the, the bird, did, has he got anything written? Like has he got, do you think he's got a t-shirt underneath his top? 
this is my question. This is my question. Like, without needing to give reference to anyone at all that you've played with, um, like, what, what's it like when you have an incredibly loose or rare unit in your side who makes incredibly <laughs> loose or rare comments in the media or otherwise? <laughs> Just generally, how do you deal with incredibly loose or rare units in a team environment? Um, well, one, do they back it up? And he obviously has there. So that's, you know, that's that's the art to being able to make loose and rare comments or being a loose and rare unit is, are you a bloody good cricketer? Um, and as you know, at grade level or international level, um, being once you're a great cricketer, you can get away with almost anything. Um, mm. Yeah, so... That's right. Yeah, I mean, and as you should be able to. That's mm. the yep. top of the tree, aren't you? Yeah, spot on. So... Um, so I, I always admire the guys who, um, you know, have the, and whether and whether they have the intelligence to know. I'm going to say something. It's going to be controversial, but I don't care because I believe it's true. Is one, and then there's the other rare individual who just lives in their own bubble so much that they have no concept that the words tumbling out of their mouth are going to be that people will take a certain way or that will be on front or back page of the paper and then uh, ultimately yeah. like well I can't believe that's even been taken that way okay. um, and I, don't, I don't know Johnny at all so I don't know which category um, he falls into but um, yeah it's good, it's good to see him there's, no, I, there's nothing better in the world than um, seeing the English turn on their on their well I was going to say sporting teams but just turn on their own they just have <laughs> they do it in a in a way that no other country can <laughs> Um, George, when you type your name into Google, the fourth option that comes up is George Bailey Detention Center, um, which I think is a reference to the famous San Diego prison that bears your name. Anyway, while we're on the topic, what are your thoughts on Australia's current policy regarding the offshore processing of asylum seekers in Nauru and PNG? Oh, Donald Trump gave us a big kick, didn't he? What about the G20? He, he loved it. He loved it. Yeah. <laughs> the love of everybody who loves you out there. Can you just finish that sentence and, and just distance yourself from Donald Trump's views, or, or or can you can you not do that? Just making well, a comment. Hoping, can we talk a little bit about Boris Johnson? Is he having anything to do any impact on this World Cup at all? Because yeah. he, he, I reckon, is a little bit like he's one of those the rare the rare unit. I reckon who yeah. uh, seems to say yeah. a few things. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it works for him. Yeah, yeah, doesn't it? Well, that's it. And then goes out and back. He just he gets away with it. Backs it up. Back. I think originally like warning on evolution, like, like you know, warning reckons aliens exist. But if I you know vocalised that publicly, my friends would probably just not want to be friends with me anymore. My family would disown me. Seven hundred eight. <laughs> yeah, that's so. yeah. You're not you, you're not in the same league to be able to make an outrageous statement no. like that. Well, it's all about backing it up, I guess, is what you're saying. I mean, maybe rare rare units are starting to run the world. As you consider Trump, Boris Johnson, Shane Warne, etc. But whether the first to back it up, I'm not really sure. That's, there's no question in that. I'm now just riffing uh, with whatever's in my head. They seem they all, well, the, the common thread running through them is they they none of them have ever felt like they were were wrong in their life. Mm. <laughs> Do they? They just barrel forward. Mm. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Pretty sure Boris Johnson was originally a salad based selection, so that, that explains quite a fair bit. Um, anyway, this has Tory party. This this has devolved quickly. I actually want to ask you, George, a, a serious question because because um, 
just the way Mitchell Stark has been bowling recently, I, I have um, segued from uh, Boris Johnson's salad <laughs> Boris into Mitchell Johnson. Stark bowling around the wicket. Um, but can you describe what it's like facing Mitchell Stark in this kind of form? I mean, I presume you face him a fair bit in the nets and obviously in domestic cricket as well. I mean, I also assume that that's why you started facing square leg to, to get out of there as quickly as possible. Um, but, like, but, I mean, can you describe what it's like facing Mitch in, in this kind of form? Yeah, well, I'll put, I'd, I'd certainly didn't try and face him in the nets. I'd, I'd make any excuse to make sure that that was not an option. Or if I had to, I'd try and talk him into practicing death because um, mm. basically he bowls 99% Yorkers. Mm. Um, and I don't mind getting dismissed, but at least, you know, he's not going to hit me in the head. Yeah. So that was yeah. that was my plan to try and minimize it. Um, it's a good plan. The damage. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not much fun. He looks like he's got a... Um, yeah, a, a beautiful rhythm, and I mean, he's quick. He's always quick, but um, I think that that those guys who have that upper echelon speed, when they get when they are feeling really good body wise and their rhythm's strong, um, it just it, it, yeah, it, it really does seem to to come down with an extra little bit of um, of oomph and a cut yeah, that ball to um, to Ben Stokes. That's, you're not going to get a bloke hitting the ball any you know clean, clear, clearer or cleaner, yeah. um, and just done all ends up. So it's been it's been awesome, and you know hats off again to, to JL Stucky was one of the guys I I was. Um, you know, he's one of the he's one of the real turning points, or one of the reasons that we have a real shot at winning this tournament. I think because he, I, I look at the way he was playing. He's won that cricket over the last 12 or 18 months. And at times it didn't look like he was enjoying himself and he was. Um, it looked like he was getting down on himself a bit. Um, looked like he wasn't really in full... didn't have full faith in his body. And um, it looked like a bit of a chore. It looks like he's having a great time again. Um, and that we, you know, whether that is purely just because he's got his fitness back and confidence in his body and nothing's hurting. Um, but I, you know, I suspect that... Um, you know, Justin Lang's had a, a bit of a role to play there too in getting in getting Mitchell Stark's mojo back. George, it's uh, we, we've gone all around the world, society, politics, cricket as well. Uh, it's exactly what we hoped. I mean, given this became a discussion, does anyone who's on this call want to say anything else about politics before we go? <laughs> <laughs> well, we could talk. We could talk about our next. Our next prime minister, or our, our first yeah. president, Ricky Ricky Thomas Ponting, if you wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to talk it's about Jackie so Lambie. <laughs> <laughs> she might take over Matthew Mott's job, maybe. Good oh, great stuff. Oh, great stuff. Well, that's it. We've now got to segue into our next conversation, George, at a different point when we start up our TGC politics cast. Um, but until then. <laughs> Thanks so much. Enjoy uh, the the whiskey on ice and the um, crackling fire and uh, the cricket that you're secretly watching. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for sending me through the scorecard before we spoke. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120Hz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Hashtag ask TGC gentlemen. 
for another uh, weekly roundup. Just before we get into that, we should announce that the live shows, well, the Sydney live show is sold out. Uh, that is that has been confirmed overnight. Uh, before we before we go to air here, uh, Melbourne, there are a handful of tickets left. There are thirty tickets left now, uh, I believe. I think that's right, isn't it? That's right, gents. Thirty tickets left for Melbourne. Sure. Doubt okay. that, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Uh, Leeds and Manchester, we need you to get behind the boys. London's selling strong, and same with Birmingham. So, yeah, get in fast because those tickets are going. Uh, GreatCricket.club, you know the score by now, faithful listener. James Fisher writes in. He says, long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm writing in advance... Sorry, i say again. I am writing into advance the discussion put forward by Tim's letter from a few casts ago about the ecstasy of watching... And what a letter it was. About the ecstasy of watching our much-lauded national side yet again shit themselves publicly on the world stage. But first, I must discuss my new housemate, Mark. Mark is probably the only person I know who loves cricket more than I do and is, v- and is the very essence of a grey cricketer distilled into a human being. He sledges me over breakfast. He talks about coming up through... The Sydney grades with Steve Smith. He once got Philip, may he rest in peace, Hughes out. He shadow bats while he's waiting for his food to cook. He has a T-shirt with Shane Warne's face on it and won't move on from 1999. Any mention of Matty Hayden gets him harder than a wicket in Western Australia. As England dissolve into the pissy little private schoolboys that we all th- <laughs> that we all know they are in front of the ghastly Mitchell Stark, he would call me at my office to make sure I was watching. Jesus. And since that vile capitulation... He has been wandering around the house like a peacock in full yellow and green feather. He is insufferable, slightly overweight. But for all the goading about watching the number one ranked side flame out from their own World Cup, he has made one crucial error. It's what I want. That's what we always wanted. The sun is out and the British cricket watching public and media have turned on each other like wild animals. Johnny Bairstow is out here blaming journalists for the fact that even though he's a professional opening batsman, he can't stop getting out first ball pies. Michael Vaughan is dragging the team on every social media platform he can get his digits on, despite having an ODI batting average that's worse than Wokes and Captain England at a World Cup where the only thing anyone can remember is Freddie Flintoff almost drowning in a pedalo. You nicked out to Ricky Ponting, mate. Get over yourself. Owen Morgan is out here taking press conferences like a hungover Mourinho whose wife's just left him, and Kevin, the most toxic player to ever play for England, Peterson, cannot stop owning himself on Twitter. The only thing uniting anyone is an uncontrolled hatred for James Vince, who seems incapable of counting past 20, let alone scoring it. It is beautiful, violent, personal carnage pundits and the public and the players lashing out widely in every direction possible. It's because that's what we feed off. We need it. We're 66 million alcoholics clinging onto a damp rock in the North Atlantic and any joy that ever existed here left a long time ago. Negativity, misery, and blame is what it means to be English. And this is, the, this is oil spill, this dumpster file, this diarrhea-filled nappy of a World Cup campaign is secretly what I and the rest of England wish for all along. Mark thinks he's hurting me, but he's actually spoon-feeding me the life essence that I need to wake up at 6.30am each day and go to work in this failing post-truth hellscape that is the UK. England cricket lets this country down in ways that cannot be imagined, and yet we will forever be hungry for more. It is our identity. So my question to you boys is this. Will there be an intermission at your London Live podcast? And if so, will you be selling overpriced ice cream? Keep up the great work, guys, and great wishes and best wishes, James Fisher, London. Just before we answer that question, 
that's a good time to remind people to get their questions in 2,000 words or less, please, because it's starting to get fucking ridiculous. <laughs> the, the, the old short story competition. We appreciate you writing in. James, excellent prose, must be said. Um, yes, there will be an intermission, and we're not selling ice cream directly uh, unless it's a euphemism for something. Um, so, okay, James's question ultimately is what's he going to do with his housemate Mark, who's an Australian who's loving every moment of this World Cup? I guess it's also a good time to point out that as we record, England are 47 for none uh, yes. against India. And as you listen to this, you'll know the result of the match. So right. how hard we go in England. Well, I mean, we should just commit, shouldn't we? Balls um, to the wall, mate. And be yeah, completely uh, wrong or right. <laughs> what should you do with this housemate? Well, I, th- I think the first thing is like there's a particular type of Australian who does this. I mean, the, uh, to, that said, like the image of a like a green and yellow gold peacock feathering <laughs> around the house. Mm, I actually yeah. start thinking of something. I was picturing a peacock, suit. a literal mm, peacock yeah. with its chest mm. out, puffed feathers. I start reverse tails one mm. to clean bowl somebody else and he just puts the bird suit on mm. and starts walking around. I don't mind that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, there's a particular type of Australian who does that and I think they're just to be endured. Yeah. Uh, like stereotypes endure, oh, don't they? they? And they really rise yeah. up with this World Cup. And, yeah. you know, we don't know the result of the England match as we go to air, but um, so until this this match against India, they've, you know, it's just been wonderful for stereotypes, mm. this World Cup. Australia's been all aura yeah, and, yeah. and chest and, and England have been, uh, you know, have shriveled into themselves I'm, again as we go. I'm really looking forward to games. meeting some of these writers <laughs> to us, you know, these depressed um Londoners, mostly Londoners. I've been reading a book lately um, before we go to the UK just to kind of brush up on all things Britain. It's called Heroic Failure, Brexit and the Politics of Pain. Um, <laughs> bit of light reading before bed. I'm only about like 20 pages in, um, but I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's a lot about like the English psyche and the post-empire landscape, <laughs> the shrinking relevance, relevance, should I say, of Britain. Um, it's just all fucking connected, like cricket, politics, empire. It's just, it's just this potpourri of um of history, and I don't really know where I'm going with this, but um I'm I'm I just don't really understand the the deluge of questions we've got around it. So I'm really looking forward to finishing this book. Do, do British people actually talk about their feelings, or they just write really long questions to us as a way of dealing with their internal struggles? It's a good question, though. I'm not really sure, but one thing I do know for certain is that um, Mark sounds like he is part of the fanatics. And when Ash Barty makes the Wimbledon, you know, knockout stages, although I guess every game's a knockout, isn't it? Um, he- he'll get over it and he'll be going to um, SW, uh, whatever the postcode is of Wimbledon. Uh, next question, someone, does someone want to read out uh, Bryson's question? Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, Bryson Ferreira writes in and says, Lads, not sure if this will somehow make it on the podcast, but hey-ho, got a question. I'm an Aussie living in Leeds, currently reveling in Pakistan's recent win over future potential giant killers Afghanistan and the potential ramifications for our accommodating English hosts. I'm married to an English woman. Should I point and laugh at her or do the right thing and give her a sympathetic hug? She doesn't even like cricket, but I feel I should exert my alpha dominance in some way, whether it be through pure arrogance or blatant condescension. What you reckon? Edward Clark, Jack Larard, PSC in Leeds, ask TGC. Yeah. Well, it's made it on the podcast. Yeah. I think he's trying to tag his mates there. 
Um, yeah, just read it out because I'm Rob Burgundy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know there's like, like, just once again, England are 48 for none as we answer this question. But um, No, they're gone, mate. England are out. England are out of the World Cup. They, they're done. They're, they're absolutely done. England are done. fucking done. They're done, mate. They're cancelled. England are cancelled. this question that sounds like it's from an English person, though, like Bryson Ferreira. Mm. Bryson's an Aussie name. Saying hey-ho mm. in it. Uh, hey yeah, it's a confused bloke. And then having it? a four-barreled name. Mm. Um, yeah, I'd say I'd say point and laughter. Yeah, but if you mm. like, I mean, if you have to exert your alpha dominance to your wife, then well, <coughs> I genuinely fear for the health of your relationship. Yeah. But like, like she doesn't even like cricket, and you'll probably lose relationship capital by trying to humiliate her when she just doesn't give a shit. Like you should just do yeah. what every every Australian man does when their wife doesn't like sport. Just watch it when she's asleep and shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> Next uh, Danny Ball writes in Dear hashtag ask TGC Long time listener and really looking forward to your London show Wondering if you can help me with a few things A year or so ago I left home And moved to London and deciding not to Join a new club to the dismay Of my dad It seemed that my cricket playing days were behind me Fast forward 12 months and I have a job I enjoy, a girlfriend that I love, and most importantly, free time at the weekends. Sorry, I'll get to the point. Last week I donned the whites to play in a work game and despite our opposition featuring a Sri Lankan opening bowler that would probably make their World Cup squad, I made a respectable 20-odd, brackets 15. Annoyingly, I really enjoyed the evening and now I'm being encouraged by said girlfriend to start playing again, leaving me with a number of questions. One, is it time to tell her that I was, in fact, not a child prodigy, only a few scores away from an England call-up, and instead spent around seven years of my life averaging around 20, brackets 14.71? Two, is her desire for me to go around again a subtle way of phasing me out and spending less time with me? Or is it a thinly veiled attempt to suggest that it's time to work on my pathetic excuse for riggin' pipes? Three, is my need to play again a desperate plea for my dad's approval? Cheers, lads. Danny. Gosh. Um, well, the answer is never to. I mean, you you've obviously given her the the side of your brain which thinks cricket is a good idea. So, you, but you you haven't revealed the darkness, although you have to us that you spent seven years of your life averaging fourteen in cricket. So you've you've sold the lie to her of like summer afternoons with picnic blankets, you know, pims, couple of shandies, village greens, and and long summer nights. That's that's the image that you've painted for her. You, what you haven't realized um is that that idyllic scene lasts 45 seconds at best um and then you get to the ground and you realize oh fuck we're fielding um i'm kind of scared of the ball my hands hurt my, my whites don't fit um <laughs> my whites don't fit <laughs> I my hands hurt for just for separate reasons oh my hands hurt and my that. whites don't fit <laughs> seven-year-old boy well, Danny's a carpenter, I'm guessing. So it's been a tough week at work. So he's got he's got splinters. But um, I think there's some fairly understandable concerns here. Like he said, he's been together for this girl for 12 months. Like the 12 month mark of any relationship is a very tricky juncture. Significant. I mean, yeah, mm. He goes, you know, this better than all of us. I mean, <laughs> like maybe Danny has started having a conversation about the future. I mean, they've obviously exchanged the L yep. word to each other. Mm-hmm. L word being levers, of course. Um, and generally, generally after a year, like you either know each other or you know, you know, or you don't know about whether, Mm. you know, what the future holds. What I'm saying basically is that his missus is definitely phasing him out, like encouraging him to go and chase his dreams or like go traveling, you know, 
go do that thing yeah. you want to do. It's, it's it's something that you say when you're looking for an out from a relationship. Yeah, she's so looking for an out. Yeah, I think she just wants to get out. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely I mean, not it, to work on his rig. I was just gonna say that. No, he goes. I, there's some, uh, you know, there's some kindred spirit kind of element to him viewing this through paranoid lens. Like he also could just have a, a girlfriend who loves him, who genuinely wants the best for him. It's like you enjoy this game. Going, I mean, is that possible in this life that they just <laughs> recognise that you want to play a game that you might find a way to enjoy and that that's a path to happiness for you know. and therefore them? You know, they invest happy. You know, it's a symbiotic thing. I guess it could be no, a thing. Probably, prob- probably <sighs> Danny, it looks like the answer is um, Tinder. Uh, that is, you know, that's going to be tough for for all involved. Not for you personally. You'll, you'll get through this and you'll be okay. Uh, Big just Joe. Finally, and oh, just, you're going. just quickly, we didn't address three. Yes. Uh, I mean, everything's a, a desperate plea for dad's approval. Absolutely. Desperate. Um, okay, Big Joe wraps up this week's show. He says, hi, gents. My question today is based on an experience I had as a junior making the journey into the world of grey cricket. Growing up in Goulburn in southern New South Wales in the, in the early to mid-2000s, I spent my summers playing junior cricket on Saturday mornings with the hope of being called up to the third grade team in the afternoon. At the ripe old age of 15, I was eventually given the green light to make my debut and what a debut it was. For anyone who is unfamiliar with Goulburn, it is the home of our nation's most secure prison, the Supermax. And by luck of the draw, that is who I was making my grey cricket debut against. My call-up was a last-minute decision, and I was too excited to even ask who we were playing. I was focused on getting my kit in order and practising my defensive shots as the last thing I wanted was to be uh, throwing my wicket away cheaply. However, my excitement soon turned to shock. Watching on as the Goulburn Supermax 11 stepped off their team bus, visibly excited as they soaked up a few hours of freedom on a glorious (laughs) summer's afternoon. (laughs) This is fucking ridiculous. My attention then turned to the sole prison guard accompanying the inmates who was armed to the teeth with his his walkie-talkie and crossword puzzle did not give me a lot of confidence that I was in safe hands. We lost the toss and went out to field. I was nervous, as you could expect, rubbing shoulders with these hardened crims. Emphasis on the hardened. As I soon witnessed the opening batsman striding to the crease without wearing any pads, and one could assume that this was meant to be a display of masculinity and bravado in front of their fellow inmates and not wanting to show any sign of weakness. Their top four piled on the runs, but a late collapse meant a competitive 200 was achieved after 40 overs. I was batting at six, and deep down I secretly had hoped that a top older order would do the job. Our openers got off to a great start, but after a hat-trick from the opening bowler in his second spell, I found myself walking out to the middle. Fortunately, uh, fortunately, the previous wicket fell on the last ball of the over, and I was able to acclimatise at the non-striker's end. This was short-lived, though, as for the first and only time in my career, I was run out for a diamond duck as the bowler flicked a straight drive onto the stumps. The umpire's finger went straight up. Now, normally, I would be in my right mind to argue this very contentious decision, but as the six-foot-four, heavily tattooed skinhead, who went by the name of Plugger, towered over me saying, you're fucking out, I decided to channel my Adam Gilchrist and walk, telling myself, maybe I really was out. In the end, we fell just short of their total, but most importantly, the lads felt I had shown great metal and was welcome back to play each week. I certainly felt I had a baptism of fire into the world of grey cricket. Anyway, my questions are, do you think... We could expect the ICC to organise a Prisoners' World Cup in the future. And if so, do you think we could expect any Con Air-like scenarios with the transport of our nation's finest? Or would they be required to make the six-month journey back to the motherland on a tall ship uh, while risking scurvy or being lost at sea like our forefathers? Either way, I'm confident your program will inspire prison wardens around the globe to recreate the hit film The Longest Yard and maybe handpick a fallen cricketer's uh, cricketer like England's Chris Lewis to head up a prisoner's 11 thoughts 
Well, obviously, this is bullshit. Um, complete <laughs> fabrication of the truth. There's no way that they let Goulburn Supermax prisoners out on day release to play cricket. There's a lot of bullshit in this story, actually. Now that you've read it, he goes, you know, there was a there was a hat trick. He got a diamond duck, um, you know, run out off the bowler's hand. Uh, there's no one called Plugger in Goulburn Supermax, definitely. Um, also, yeah, it's not for the state of LinkedIn. Most importantly, yeah, he, he, he keeps calling this grade cricket. It's not it's not grade cricket. Like no. how 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 on earth could there be a grade cricket team called the Goldman Supermax Eleven? Mm. There was a um a, like a first grade cricketer in Sydney who I won't read uh, say, but um a lot of people were like he killed a guy once. Um, yeah, I know the guy but, you're talking about. Yeah, so that was um. It was always a little bit scary. Always mm. like good bowler, but suspicious about questions. Where, firstly, it's it should be sent to the state of LinkedIn account, but also <laughs> then the questions that sit underneath are all these like wonderful, like wonderfully acerbic tangents that could be taken as answers from our end. It's yeah, like, can we do the answers? <laughs> mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, just finally, the level of detail in this lie is to be commended. So um, well played, Big Joe. That's it for the show. Fantastic to have Ali Martin on. Fantastic to have George Bailey on. We'll see you next time.